Our reading this morning is taken from 2 Peter, (coughs) chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, and page 1223 on the Church Bibles in front of you. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the Holy Prophets, and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on, as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being, and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word... The present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. (coughs) But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. Morning all. That's good. So um, today, uh, you might remember, is the, uh, the second in our little series on Advent. Uh, uh, last week, uh, we were looking at a, a people prepared, uh, looking back to that first coming of Jesus, that Advent, that, me- that word meaning uh, coming. Uh, so we were looking at, at Christmas and what that meant. Uh, well, uh, this week, we're looking in the other direction, Uh, we're looking forward. We're not looking at uh, a people prepared. We're looking at a prepared people. Uh, We're looking ahead uh, to the second advent, uh, the second coming uh, of the Lord Jesus. 
Uh, And there was a man uh, called Martin Luther who said uh, these words. He said, uh, there are only two days on my calendar. Uh, This day and that day. Uh, This day and that day. Uh, He was saying, actually, uh, today I'm going to consider how I live today in light of viewing of uh, that day uh, to come. And as we look at this idea of Jesus' return, as we look at the the advent, the coming of Jesus, uh, that's my prayer, actually just for myself and for all of us, that we may think, actually, what does it mean for us to live today in light of that day? So with that in mind, uh, let's pray uh, together. Father, we thank you uh, for this chance that we have to look at your words, to look back, but also to look forward. And we pray uh, that as we come together and consider this idea of of getting ready of a prepared people, uh, that you yourself may help us be prepared, that you yourself will will show us uh, realities of a bigger picture to live this day in light of that day. Amen. Um, imagine that you were uh, sent a letter by our very own monarch, King Charles III. Uh, and then when you got the letter, obviously you're going to think it's a prank, but, um, but, but you know, it's on like, you know, proper paper and a proper envelope, and it's sealed with the, the proper wax seal. And after a little bit of investigation, you, you realise it actually is a genuine letter to you. Uh, and the letter says, Oh dear um, Mr Martin, um, I'm going to come and visit you. It doesn't say when, helpfully. Um, it just says, I'm going to come and visit you. And now, if you were to receive that letter, I would imagine it would change uh, what you would do. Uh, it would probably change, uh, well, certainly for me, it would mean that, that I'm going to get ready, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to uh, clean the house. Well, I'm going to clean the house of the bits where he might go. So all the junk in the bedroom. Um, you know, I'm going um, to check the, the crockery you have for when the king comes, because the king is coming. So I'm going to make sure that's all clean and tidy. I, I'm going to look in my cupboards to make sure I've got food, so that's going to have a good date on it, so I can offer those you know, nice posh biscuits when he comes. Um, I'm going to do all those sorts of things. I, I'm probably even going to uh, look in my diary, just to make sure that I'm, I'm not going away for a long period of time, because otherwise I might miss him. I'm going to do all those sorts of things. I'm going to get ready because the king is coming to visit me. Now, if that's true of King Charles III, how much more ought it to be true of the Lord God? How much more ought it to be true uh, for the day when the king of the world returns? Uh, And when we get to our reading here uh, in Peter's letter, that's what he begins with, that verse 1 and 2. He says, uh, uh, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've I've written these things as a reminder to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. And here's the thing, verse 2. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through the apostles. He says, look, I want you to remember... uh, what the prophet said. I want you to remember in the Old Testament. I want you to remember the things that were told you about the return of Jesus. Did you know that there are over 1,800 references to the return of Jesus in the Old Testament? 1,800. Some of them are quite subtle. Some of them are quite obvious. But there's a whole gaggle 
of prophecies and words saying, watch out, come, uh, look for the, the Son of Man, look for the return of the Lord. And Peter said, I want you to remember that. And he also says, I want you to remember uh, the words of the Lord Jesus. And he might have in mind words like this from Matthew 25, uh, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Uh, He's saying, I want you to remember that Jesus himself said he was coming back. He's saying, look, there is a day when Jesus is coming. It's been told to you from all the prophets of old. It's been told to you from Jesus himself. Uh, You've had the letter. But, he says, not everyone will believe you. In fact, some people will think it's a bit of a joke. Verse 3, above all, you must understand the last day, scoffers will come scoffing, following evil desires. They will say, verse 4, where's this coming, he promised. Ever since our our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Remember that actually that that Peter's writing here only a few decades after Jesus uh, left and went up to heaven. And they're saying, look, he's not coming back, is he? Where is this coming? It's a bit of a joke. Uh, Life's been pretty unaffected, really. Uh, I mean, life has continued. There's been... People have born, people have been married, people have died. It's just gone on and on and on. Everything's the same. Nothing has changed. But Peter says actually there's a reason for that. And his reason is quite serious. At verse 5, he says that they forgot. Now actually there's a word I've missed out. They deliberately forgot. They deliberately forgot that long ago by God's word it's as if uh, you know when you remember last summer you climbs in summer you have your beach ball in the sea or in the swimming pool and you, the beach ball doesn't float to the bottom you've got to deliberately push it down you've got to force it down and it's as if saying that sense here that people are deliberately forgetting God's word they're, they're deliberately forgetting that God made the world they're deliberately forgetting as they look around that there was one who by his word brought everything into being. It's the force that they're deliberately forgetting that actually God did judge the world in the flood, verse 6. They're forgetting that God made the world by his word. They're forgetting that he has already judged the world by his word. And so they're just forgetting that one day God will come to judge. They're forgetting that. They're deliberately suppressing it. And even though this letter is written uh, 2,000 years ago, it, it does feel quite contemporary. Uh, if we were to uh, go out into the, into the streets, if we were to go chat to people and say, oh, did you know that Jesus is coming back? What are they going to say? Where's this coming? We've been going on, not for a few decades, we've been going on for two millennia. Life hasn't changed. (laughs) He's not coming back, is he? And you can understand why, because there is sort of a a bit of a pattern to life, isn't there? Now again, there are exceptions, but generally speaking, in our culture, particularly in the West, uh, 
we born, we, we grow up, we go to school, we get a job, we have family, we have children, we retire, we die. Just, and that's just the, the, the sweep of our culture, isn't it? I said there are exceptions. But generally speaking, that's just the tide that we live in, just being washed over us. Yeah, but more than that, actually, again, there are exceptions, but, but life is, is quite comfortable. You want water, you go to the tap. You've got clean water. You're sick, you, you go to the doctor for free. You want food? You go to Tesco, maybe go to a food bank. But, but do you see, that, that generally speaking, again, there are exceptions, but, but the, the swathe of our society is that actually life is quite comfortable. It's quite easy and it's quite comfortable. And so Peter would say deliberately forgotten. You've deliberately forgotten. You've deliberately forgotten as you look around the world that God made the world. You've deliberately forgotten that, that he, he's done, he has judged the world and we could push it further and say you've deliberately forgotten that he came in his son. His first advent, his first coming. Life may seem comfortable but you're pushing the truth down. You're delirious. And so, verse 10, when the thief comes, it's going to be a shock. Uh, my favourite Christmas movie, Home Alone, at the very beginning of the film, the bad guy, Harry, he goes into the house to check which houses are going to be there. And he goes there not because he's going, oh, by the way, when you go on holiday, I'm going to break into your house. And then he goes there, he's casing out the joint to, to make sure they're not there. He's casing the joint out because he wants to make sure that it's the most unexpected time. Of course, for Harry, he wasn't expecting Kevin McAllister, but that's another issue. Um, but it's a surprise, isn't it? When the thief comes, you don't know when. Well, imagine the turkey at Christmas. What's life been like for a turkey? In the turkey farm, every day the hand comes. It's fed every day. Every day, it's given exactly what you want. The ham comes, you're fed, you're fed, you're fed. Every day. When you ask a turkey, what's going to happen tomorrow? They say, the hand will come and feed me. And it will. But then one day, the hand will come and grab you. Day after day. Life goes on like normal, does it? because the Lord will come back we might deliberately forget that idea but we have to have it fixed in our minds so then the question will come well then why is there a delay why is there a delay well uh, the first is uh, verse 8 that, that Peter says that there's no connection between sort of what we understand as time and the Lord verse 8 but do not forget one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Uh, our understanding of time, and time being a measure by which we understand how things change, well, if you have a changeless God, time doesn't exist. Uh, at the moment, we're reading the, the Narnia stories to our children. Uh, and if you know the Narnia stories, uh, then you'll know that uh, uh, then Lucy, during the 
line in which the wardrobe goes into the wardrobe for the first time. She goes and has a lovely time with her tumness. And then she comes out and says, I'm back, I'm back. You must have been worried where I've been. Like, no, Lucy. You, you've just literally, it's been a second. No time has passed at all. Whereas for her, hours have passed. Or, or even again later in the Narnia stories, uh, in the next, the fourth book with the Prince of Caspian, uh, Prince Caspian, they, the children have been away for a whole year out of Narnia in their time. They go back and it's been hundreds of years. Uh, the point that C.S. Lewis is making is there is no connection. There's no correlation in time. Because there is no correlation between our understanding of time and the Lord. So to talk about the Lord being slow, just, it just doesn't make sense. It, it, it just it just doesn't make sense. Because he, he's, he's not slow or fast. He's working, I can't even say in his own time, he's working in his own way. Uh, so to say, therefore, well, we've had 2,000 years, the Lord must be coming back tomorrow, well, it doesn't make sense. Uh, but equally to say, we've only had 2,000 years, he's not going to come back for ages, it, it doesn't make sense either. Because a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. But then secondly, actually, there's another reason why he's waiting. Verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. The reason that he's not yet returned, the reason he didn't come back the couple of days after Jesus went up into heaven, is that he wants as many people as possible to come and put their hope in him. The reason that he has not returned today is that he wants more to come to put their trust in him. Now, maybe the reason he has not returned today is that he wants you to put your trust in him. Maybe he wants you to come to do that, to go on Hope Explored or wherever it might be, to come to Carol Surf this evening. But the reason he's not yet returned is because he wants us, he wants as many as possible to come to put their hope in him. So with all that, well then, what kind of people ought we to be? That's the question he asks in verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, in other words, since everything will, will come to an end, since everything will be judged in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? But just notice that to begin with. He isn't saying, since everything's going to be judged in this way, what ought you to do? He says, what kind of people ought you to be? He's talking really about that sense, actually, about uh, who we are rather than what we do. Uh, He's saying more, actually, it's the sort of person that you want to be intrinsically, the sort of character you are, uh, rather than just a a list of X, Y, Z of stuff you've got to do. So what sort of people ought you to be? Again, verse 11. Well, you ought to live holy and godly lives. Holy and godly lives. 
What is that? Well, it's not a list. It's not saying that these are the things you've got to do to live a holy and godly life. If you tick this off, you're done. Uh, No, it's rather saying actually uh, holy, someone who is uh, distinct, uh, somebody uh, who lives uh, their life dedicated, set apart, given over to the Lord, uh, who doesn't uh, follow the crowd, but wants to follow the Lord. Uh, Godly, somebody uh, who in the things they say, do and think wants to mirror and imitate the kindness of God. Now, does that mean that that won't uh, mean there are things that we do? Of course there are things that we'll do. But can you see, it's the character that's first. We're built up as, as being called to be holy and godly and therefore we will live in a certain way. Uh, But that does also mean, or rather should I say, uh, uh, it means therefore that living holy and godly lives is living out our identity. Living out our identity as God's children. Whenever the Bible talks about holiness and godliness, it's really saying, be who you are. Do you remember last week, uh, we're those who have been prepared by Jesus, brought up, saved, loved, brought into his family, and so now he's saying, live that out. Do that. It's not a list, but yet it should be visible. Others should see us living holy and godly lives. It might not be they can put their finger on it and say, oh, you're living a holy and godly life because you love Jesus. But they might not be able to say that, but, but they could say, you're different. I don't know why yet, but you're different. If they don't say that about us, then we must ask ourselves the question, are we being holy and godly? We could be, and people could just be really blind to it all. Or we might not be. We will be distinctive. We will be holy and godly. What kind of people we to be? Holy and godly. But also, uh, looking forward. Verse 12 as you look forward to the day of God, uh, verse 13. But keeping with his promise, we are looking forward, uh, verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward, uh, having our our eyes ahead, uh, thinking about not just this day, but that day, uh, looking ahead, saying, actually, we live in light of that day. Uh, Not being those who uh, deliberately forget, who push down the truth of God, but who consciously remember that there is a Lord who made the world, that he came to save the world and will one day come back to judge the world. Living in light of that day. And saying, actually, on that day, it will be the best day. There's a great temptation, isn't there, to to say, "I, I really want the Lord Jesus to return, but I want this to happen first. I want the Lord to, have to come, but I, I just want him to wait a little bit until this happens. Until this happens uh, in my family, in my life, in my work. I just want to do this or experience this before Jesus comes back. As if this thing is better than that. Now, I've 
had those feelings and thoughts. And they keep popping into my head all the time. But actually, I've got to say no. I've got to consciously remember, consciously turn my head to a head to say, that day is, is the best day for the Christian. The day when the lion and the lamb lie together. Consciously remember, knowing that actually, that because of that day, God has all of my tomorrows in his hands. In fact, he has my eternity in his hands. To know that because of, of that day, even though today may still have tears, because of that day, there is still joy and hope. Even though today may have joys, because of that day, these joys pale into insignificance. To know today that because of that day, I am loved, I am kept, I'm one. And so because of that day, today, I want to live a holy and godly life. There's a day coming. Uh, We need to to proactively uh, put on our our glasses to look ahead to it. Uh, Not deliberately forget, but consciously remember. We need to to bring that before our eyes. Uh, Here's one way of doing it. Say the Lord's Prayer every day. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Just say it every day and think about it. Saying, actually, I'm going to live in light of that day. And then, remember verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort, every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. This Christmas, uh, we'll spend our time looking back at the baby in the manger, which is a wonderful thing to do. Uh, But as we look back to the baby in the manger, we cannot help but look forward to the man on the cross. And as we look upon the man upon the cross, we have to look upon the king upon the throne. As we look upon the king upon the throne, we have to remember he is the king who will return and come. And so this Christmas, when we say Happy Christmas, we don't just say happy, festive, warm greetings. As we said last week, we're actually saying Happy Christmas, Happy Christmas be the one who came to prepare us, to save us. But more than that, when we say Happy Christmas, we're saying Happy Christmas, the one who came to prepare us. But we're also saying Happy Christmas, there is one who's coming back. Not as a baby in a manger, but as King Lord God Almighty. And on that day, it will be the best day. So today, let us live today in light of that day. And once again, happy Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word of old that promised your son, that promised he would come and he would return. Thank you that we can look back to when he did come, that we stand this side of his birth, his death and resurrection and ascension. 
Thank you for his word that says he will come to wrong all rights, to end all suffering and tears. Lord, may we be ready. May we not be found wanting. May we consciously remember. May we live today in light of that day. For your glory we pray. Amen.